welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. I love this story. My, my personal call story relates a lot to this story, but that would be a discussion for another Sunday because I want to really focus on the passage here and one particular part of the passage, because you've probably heard this story, maybe. If you've been a part of the church for at least a year, it, it shows up in the lectionary every year because all the Gospels, or at least most of them, will include this in one way or another, even if it's a little different. But when we hear of this miracle story today, I want you to not focus on the miracle, but focus on Simon, the character, the man, the disciple that we eventually learn a second name for. He is a fisherman. Has anyone ever fished as a career? I know everyone's fished and stood on the side and enjoyed the silence, but your job as a fisherman, okay. It's hard work. I know nothing about it, so just forgive me and, and all of my failings here, but fishing is something you don't do in the middle of the day when the rest of us go to work or did go to work or, or maybe hope to go to work or to school or wherever. Fishing takes place at night. You go fish at a time when the fish were actually moving around and coming up to the top. And so Simon fishes at night. He wraps up his stuff kind of in the morning. As the day gets going, he comes in with his crew, and they clean up the nets. They clean up the boat. If they caught anything, they sort it. They figure out what they're going to do, and it's the end of his day. Then he finally gets to go home and, and rest and prepare to do it again the next night. So this is their livelihood. This is how they eat, mostly day to day in that time. Simon in the fourth chapter of Luke, met Jesus. He heard Jesus preach at a synagogue and invited him back to his mother-in-law's house where she was sick with a fever. Jesus healed her. And that's the only other time we've heard of Simon. And so we know that Simon knows a little bit about Jesus, has heard him preach about the kingdom because that's the only thing we've heard preached so far in this gospel. But the story begins today at the end of one of Simon's days of work. And so he's Wrapping up, he's mending the nets that maybe got broken. He's cleaning the nets. He's preparing to put it all away so he can come do it again. So picture Simon in that moment. Picture what it's like for you at the end of a long day. And hold that as we hear this passage. And I want you to try to envision this passage through Simon's eyes from Luke chapter 5. One day, Jesus was standing beside Lake Genesaret when the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, then asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, Row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets, and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. 
Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because the number of fish they caught. James and John, Zebedee's sons, were Simon's partners, and they were amazed too. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. As soon as they brought the boats to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Can you imagine what Simon's thinking when he's washing up after a night of not catching anything, only to have a rabbi come and say, let's go out into the water. That's what you want. You want to hear the preacher preach at the end of your long day, right? He sits in the boat for a while and finishes and then says, let's go out deeper and let's, let's fish. Can you imagine what Simon might have been thinking? This is not the time of day to fish. I've been at it all night. I've washed the nets. Are you kidding me, man? I wonder if he was looking at him thinking, oh, this guy, this rabbi, he's done his own research though, right? What do I know as a fisherman who does this every day? And he's kind of stuck in the situation. What do you say? He helped his mother-in-law get better. So in their custom, he he owes Jesus. He's indebted to him in this way. And he's heard Jesus. So I'm sure he was inspired as well. Maybe he did. Maybe that's exactly what he needed after a rough day was to go sit and listen to Jesus whatever the reason he goes out. But we do know there is some hesitation when he says, let's go fish. I can imagine the tone he uses when he's like, we've been at it all night and caught nothing. But if you say so, I love how you phrased it, how you used your tone to express that. It's probably kind of similar. I imagine Simon exchanging glances with his crew like, let's fish, you know, and uh, going out there. And then what happens? A miracle. It's a miraculous catch that two boats couldn't even quite handle. The catch of a lifetime. I mean, they fish your whole life and never have a catch like that. And so we see Peter's response is not elation, but he falls at Jesus' knees and says, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. It's a strange response. He says, Lord. He calls Jesus Lord. That's new in the gospel. And He responds in repentance. And it's at this time that we first hear his second name, and they call him Simon Peter. Something about this response speaks to who Peter is at his heart, earning this nickname, Peter, which means stone, or sometimes you'll hear it translated rock. They're all amazed, it says. Peter, John, James, they're all amazed. And apparently, when you're amazed, you're afraid, because Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's a strange idea of amazing. We call things amazing all the time, but rarely are we afraid. But when you have an expectation of how nature works, and then someone comes and changes that in a moment, that rattles you. We have expectations of how things are going to be, right? If I drop this rock, it's going to do what? If it doesn't, I'm going to be a little worried. Because what else might happen? Simon sees this and is amazed. They're all amazed in his response, seeing this amazement and this power coming from Jesus is to recognize it as holy, as God, and that makes you afraid, especially because Simon knows his heart. The power they see, it shakes you. What else could happen? When our expectations are shaken or shattered, It's frightening. We like predictability. We'll fight tooth and nail for predictability. Amen? 
if things are unpredictable, it scares us too. These fishermen have this huge catch. Could you imagine? I wonder what kind of things they were thinking, rowing to shore. We're going to eat good tonight, right? Got all this catch. We're going we're gonna to be eating good tomorrow with this catch. And what they do when they got to the shore? They left it. They left it. Catch of a lifetime, and they walked away. Because they, suddenly the expectations changed. And they had a new thing that they were after rather than the fish. They had no idea what to expect. What might happen next? Would you? What if Simon Peter, if we go back to the beginning of the story and Jesus climbs into his boat as he's cleaning the nets and said, hey, let's push off a little bit. And Peter, what if Peter had said, can you go talk to that other guy? He caught some fish. I didn't catch anything. Can you give me a break? I just want to go home. Or if they go out there and sit and listen to him preach and he says, let's go fish. And Peter said, Rabbi, stay in your lane. I'm a fisherman. Can we do this another day? You want to meet me tonight at the right time to fish? I'll be all, I'll be all about it. What if Peter hadn't obeyed, followed his own set of expectations instead? That's the focus of the story. Not even the teaching of Jesus. We don't even know what he taught other than what we've heard in chapter 4 all about the kingdom. The miracles mentioned in two verses of the 11. The rest is really focused on Peter. He does take Jesus onto the water. He does drop his nets. And then in the name-changing moment, he responds in this presence of a power and abundant blessing. He responds in repentance. The humility that Peter had every step of the way. Do you know anybody who would respond like that every step of the way? How many times have we had someone tell us how we should do something when we know we know? Are we gracious? Or do we put them in their place? Or do we just in our head put them in their place and maybe just be Indiana polite, right? To be obedient when you know you know the better way. To be so utterly repentant in the amazement. And finally, the biggest miracle, leaving everything behind. The phrasing here, the reason they're leaving is because Jesus has said, I'm going to make you fish for people. I was always disturbed by this phrase as a child. Because when you fish... You take something out of its environment where it can't breathe, you kill it and eat it. Jesus wants them to fish for people. I was always terrified as a little kid. That is a scary image. Who wants that? Now, some forms of evangelism kind of resemble that, don't they? We catch fish to eat them. The phrasing in the Greek is something a little different. It's a catching to life. Catching for life. Catching alive is the term. So you're going to catch people alive, catch them for life. And the idea that we come to learn is that people that are in this dead way of living, they're living, they're alive, they breathe, but their life is not about good things. They don't find much meaning and purpose. They're going to snag them alive, catch them from the death into life. So it's almost the opposite of fishing in a way. That's what their life's going to be all about now, which means the fish and the boat don't matter to them. This is all about living the life that God wants you to live. And they respond. The life that we're called to live into, the life that Peter is going to be taught, is all about loving God and loving neighbor, period. You lay down your expectations. That's hard. You lay down your desires for yourself. That's hard. We know that those things are temporary and fleeting. I mean, our our, what we want changes all the time, doesn't it? We, if we put it into an object, we need to have this, whatever this is. And then we get it, 
it immediately loses its luster and we move on to the next thing. Yet we continue in this race toward the next thing. So if we lay all that down, as hard as it is, we know it's the right choice. Simon Peter embraces the opportunity to chase after the only thing worth chasing, life and purpose as God defines it. He hauls in the miraculous catch, leaves it behind, and then a group of people leaving everything they know, I think that's the real miracle of the story because Jesus couldn't control that. Jesus won't control you, but you do have the invitation, the offer. Simon Peter is the first disciple to be called in Luke's gospel. We want to be disciples. We talk about that as the church. So let's look at this passage to understand what made Peter such a good candidate to be the first and eventually to be called the rock upon which the church will stand, the, the model disciple. What did he do in this passage? He is a good candidate for people catching, apparently. So what do we learn? I mean, that's our calling, isn't it? To catch people. If you're a disciple, that's what we want to be about. We want to bear witness. We want to share our faith and invite others to upon the walk that we've found. That kind of walk that gets us up on a Sunday morning and braving the ice to come sit together in a mask because we know it's good. And it's so much more than that. What is the example we get? Do you think when Peter stood on that boat that day that he had any idea that just a few years later, and we can read in Acts 2, Luke, that he's going to stand and preach to thousands of people and bring 3,000 people into that walk. You think he has any clue that just a couple chapters later, he's going to point to a lame man on the steps and say, get up and walk, and the guy will. Go back to Peter in the boat. Does he have any clue what adventure he's being invited into? He has no idea. He left his expectations behind along with the fish. And you see his humility He's so humble. He knows fishing, but yet he, he obeys Jesus. He just caught the catch of a lifetime, and yet he lets it go. And then you look at the life of Peter that he leads. He never condemns anyone. You read about him. He never condemns. He never points at anyone and says, you're a sinner. You're allowed. You're not allowed. He never says anything like this. Peter struggles. He messes up big time for sure. But he always has a humility. If Peter condemns anyone, he condemns himself. If he blames anyone, he blames himself. He doesn't act entitled to the good things, and eventually when he is sentenced to crucifixion, he can't even bear to be crucified in the same way that Christ is, so he's crucified upside down. Humility. It takes humility to enter into a life of discipleship. If you're taking into this life or headed on this journey so that you can get what you want one day, that's not humility. And you're going to be disappointed with the life that you're invited into right now. It's something more. Do we have the humility to leave our expectations behind and simply follow knowing we have no clue where it's going to take us? This doesn't mean that you have to leave your home or your job like they did. Maybe you will. Maybe God will say exactly that to you. But trust me, you'll know. Don't fear that that's going to be everyone's calling. But you will be invited to leave everything behind. Expectations, desires. The kingdom of God is arriving. That's the good news that we need to let go of all this stuff that we can fully accept. Jesus preached, the kingdom of God is here. Reorient, rethink, repent, believe the good news. The kingdom that he said in Luke 4, in that 
synagogue in Nazareth. He says it's, it's for all the people you least expect, you know, this good news. It's for all the people that you don't want to have good news. It's for them, which is why they tried to kill him in Nazareth for saying that. And eventually they tried to kill him in Jerusalem. It's so easy for us to start to qualify who's in and who's out, to taste this power and this invitation and start to stop being humble. We can fall at Jesus' knees and admit that we are beloved and created images of God, but we constantly fall short. Amen? It's not just me. In our hearts, in our lives, in our relationships, in our daily decision-making, in the way that we judge others, in the way we allow disagreement to actually divide us, in the way we allow ourselves to get so agitated about things that we shouldn't be agitated about, and to not be agitated about things we should be agitated about. Like Peter, we must accept humility in the deepest possible way. That's what it takes to be a disciple. I don't know much. And if we're honest, we don't know much. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't have any clue what we might be doing three years from now where the Spirit might lead us. I don't know what I'm capable of when the Holy Spirit is calling and empowering me. I don't know what you're capable of either. I have no clue what true life I'm going to find on this journey of faith. I have a taste. And the only thing is, with my not having a clue, I do know that by leaving everything behind in a life of discipleship, I know that Christ will lead me into a life of abundant goodness. That's all I need to know. Amen? How we define abundant goodness is going to change. It may have looked like a pile of fish in a boat, and suddenly it may look like something completely different. Friends, I invite you today, leave everything behind. However Christ is calling you, go. Holding nothing back. Let go of whatever you're fixating on about what you think life should be about and ask, God, what do you want my life to be about? And then prepare yourselves for some prayer and maybe some time, but to receive an answer, some guidance. And it may just be of the thousand steps I'm going to lead you on, here's step one. Just take it. Let go of expectation, embrace humility, recognize our need for Christ, that we can be amazed and not afraid. And let the goodness you have found, let that be the light that shines for all people to see. Let them see what you have found and how it's changed your life, and let that be your witness. Amen? Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com. 